If you have a Bible with you this morning, or you can open that Bible app, but join me, if you will, in Psalm 134. Psalm 134. Today we come to the end of a journey, you might even say that it's the end of a pilgrimage, because we've been spending the last number of months going through the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 are a collection of 15 songs that the Jewish tradition tells us were sung by the people of Israel as they went from their homes and their villages. They made their way up to Jerusalem in order to worship the Lord together at the temple at the major celebrations of the year. As we've studied through these psalms together, we have seen that there are various themes that are addressed in these songs. Each of them deal with various challenges and difficulties that we can experience in life and remind us of how God walks with us, how he teaches us through those circumstances. Uh, Of course, we have, uh, as we've gone through this study together, we have been experiencing our own challenges individually, as a community, as a nation. And for me, it has been kind of interesting to see how God continues to speak to us through these Psalms still today. These songs were written thousands of years ago, but they're as relevant and useful today as they've ever been. And so in that sense, these are discipleship songs. These are songs that help us to learn how to walk with the Lord, how to walk with each other day by day. We have a picture, an artist's rendition that we're going to put up on the screen of what it looked like and may have looked like as the people were streaming into the city of Jerusalem, into the temple to worship the Lord. And as I think about all of these people making their journey to Jerusalem, I can't help but to think about us in our day, that our journey is not so much to a particular location here on this earth as it is a spiritual journey that will culminate on that day when we see the Lord face to face. It's a journey of growing in the Lord. It's a journey of worship as we go. And these Psalms have been very encouraging to help us press on and Pursue after our great God and King. If you can, think back with me for a moment, back to the beginning, back to when our journey through these Psalms of Ascent first began. In Psalm 120, the psalmist describes being far away from Jerusalem, far away from the people of God. And if you think about it, this is really our journey. It's the journey that all of us experience as well. That we're far away from God, that we're far away from the people of God. Things are not right between us and God. There there, There is this brokenness of sin that has separated us from God. Now, not only is that true once for every believer in Jesus Christ, but that's true for every single person in the world. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul would say that at one time all of us were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And so all of us have to come to a point where we recognize our brokenness, we mourn over our sin, we repent, we turn to God through faith in Jesus Christ. When, When we turn to God... We're, we're no longer living for ourselves or for the things of this world, but we're living for Him. And as we live with Him, as we walk with Him, we learn to worship Him. These Psalms of Ascent start in Psalm 120 uh, with being far away from God, far away from the people of God, which is how our journey begins as well. 
Along the way, there are many things that we learn, many things that we go through, and these songs are a gracious gift from God to help us as we go. For instance, we learn that God is our defender in Psalm 121. We learn that gathering to worship God is something that his people long for, that we look forward to, Psalm 122. We learn to wait on the Lord in Psalm 123 and 130. It's twice in these um, 15 songs. It's a very important lesson that we need to learn to wait on the Lord. We learn to witness about the Lord in Psalm uh, 124. We uh, learn how to trust in the Lord in Psalm 125. We experience God's power to restore our lives in Psalm 126. We learn how, uh, about how God is building our lives, Psalm 127. We, we trust in what he can do and not in what we can do. Psalm 128, we are encouraged to see the blessings of God. Psalm 129, God walks with us in the midst of our suffering. Psalm 131 emphasizes the place that hope and humility have in our lives. If you're traveling along with these Jewish pilgrims, it seems that you get to Psalm 132 and that that psalm is taking place in the temple complex itself. And it's there that God stirs in us a passion for his glory. Last week, as we looked at Psalm 133, we saw how God is in the business of doing a beautiful and powerful work in the world by uniting people from different walks of life for the worship of his great name. And now today we come to the last psalm of these Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 134. This is a psalm about blessing. And what we're going to see today is that we bless the Lord as we recognize the ways that he has blessed us. As we read and look at this psalm today, I want us to keep in mind the entire picture of these Psalms of Ascent. We go from brokenness to blessing, from sadness and mourning to praise. And also keep in mind that it wasn't just a one-time event for them or for us. That this journey that's meant to, it's a journey that's meant to be repeated. For these pilgrims, they made this journey three times a year. They would go on the journey to Jerusalem and then they would go back home. And then they would go again and then they would go a third time every year. I think it's important for us to remember as we uh, follow Christ that that same thing is going to happen, that, that this is what our daily lives, our daily walk with the Lord is like, that this is a journey that we continue to make. These are lessons that we need to be learning in and growing in until the day that Lord calls us home to be with him for eternity, until he calls us to our heavenly Jerusalem. I want you to imagine being one of these Israelite worshipers. You made the long journey to Jerusalem. You were there in the temple complex with thousands of other people as they worshipped the, the living God together. There were things that were great and exciting that took place. Things that you enjoyed. There were things that were difficult and challenging. Things that were hard. But now, here you are at the end of the celebration feast and... You're about to leave the temple courtyards. You're about to begin that journey back home. 
This is kind of like a benediction. It is a blessing that is pronounced at the end of the service that, that you're preparing as you're preparing to make your way back home. One commentator makes this note. He says, worship in the sanctuary of God is a wonderfully moving experience. It's a time of withdrawal and a time of renewal. But we cannot remain in the sanctuary. We must return to the world. That's what the benediction does. It it prepares us to go back into the world. and, And that's what this psalm does. I want to go ahead and read our psalm for today. You have your Bible open in front of you, Psalm 134. It's only three verses long. Here's what the Word of God has to say. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Now, as we read this psalm, I wonder if you noticed something interesting about the order of this pronouncement of blessing here. You you may have noticed that in verses 1 and 2, it's the worshipers who are called to bless God. But then you get to verse 3, and it's God who is called upon to bless the worshipers. In other words, blessing is something that goes in both directions. It's not only God who blesses us, but we are called to bless God as well. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how you can bless God? It's probably pretty easy to think of some different ways of how God has and can bless us. But but what does it look like for us, for you and me, to bring blessing to God? I'd encourage you, if you've never thought about that before, that you need to start thinking about that. How can you bring blessing to God? Let's be honest, in our culture uh, today, we are pretty self-centered. Oftentimes, our thought is, how can, uh, what can everybody else do for me? What can, what can other people around me do for me? And we have to be careful about how that affects our relationship with God. God loves to bless us. He freely blesses us. But when we come to worship, do we think about how we might bless God? When we live our life each day, do we think about how does my life bring blessing to God? The psalm teaches us about how we can bring blessing to God. Notice in verse verse 1 where it says, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. You know, I think that it's important for us to ask this question, well, what does this word bless even mean? I mean, hashtag blessed. Uh, you look uh, look that up, look, look the, the word blessed up on Instagram, and you'll see like four trillion pictures of what blessed looks like or what people think blessed looks like. But here in the, the scriptures, the Hebrew word actually describes someone who is kneeling down in order to give something good or say something good to another person. I, I think of it kind of like this next picture. If you're a parent and you have little ones, you have children... Oftentimes, if you have something that you really want to get their attention with, when, when you have something important that you want to tell them, something that, that, that you want to give to them, something good that you want to give them, you, you get right down on their level and you pass it along to them. 
That's the the picture of what a blessing is. It's an act that allows the giver to impart something of value to the receiver. The giver is imparting something of value to the receiver. Again, it's pretty easy to understand how God can bless us. I mean, if you think about who God is and who we are, well, there's a lot that he has to give and there's a lot that we need. He's the one who is far greater. We, uh, he, he's the one who has value that he can give to us. God can and does continually bless us. And, and yet still, that leaves us with this question, well, how can we bless God? How can the lesser give to the greater? How can the creature offer, what does the creature have to offer the creator? Well, verse 1 and 2 help us to understand how we can bless God and what it is that actually blesses him. We need God to uh, tell us what blesses him. His word does give us this guidance. And so in verses 1 and 2 it says, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Again, you think of this in the context of those who, who come to worship. There are two groups of people who would have been seen as servants of the Lord in the temple courtyards. There were those who were called to a lifelong ministry, a lifelong service of God and of his people. Under the old covenant, that would have been the Levitical priesthood. These people were born into a certain family, and because they were born into this family, because they were a part of this tribe, they were assigned a certain task in which they would serve the Lord and serve the people. This group of people would act as the mediators, those who would go between the people and God. Under normal circumstances, the only people who would be standing in the temple courtyards at night would be the Levites, because they had certain tasks, they had certain responsibilities that they had to do each night. But those who came to Jerusalem during the three annual feasts each year, they they would also be considered the servants of the Lord. They would be coming to worship God. And when these feasts happened, there would be all of these worshipers that would come and make these offerings to the Lord, these sacrifices to the Lord in the temple. And they would often have to stay waiting late into the night in order to make these offerings. Thousands upon thousands of people would have been there in the temple courtyards waiting for the next opportunity to bring a sacrifice. And so literally, they would be standing by night in the house of the Lord. What were they supposed to be doing as they were standing by night in the house of the Lord? Well, they were encouraged, hey, bless the Lord. Lift up your hands and praise Him. So, Right here, we see the first way that we bless the Lord. We, we, we bless the Lord by coming to Him as servants. That we live out our lives as servant-hearted people. You know, I think in broad general terms, the church in America is losing sight of what it means to be servants of God. We like it if God serves us. We like it if the worship service is made convenient for us. But we forget that our lives are no longer our own. We forget that it is not all about us. Now, please don't think that I'm pointing the finger at everyone else because I'm not. I'm thinking of myself here in this. 
that at times there are these thoughts that run through my mind, run through my head, and, and, and they go like this, you know, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do this administrative thing. I don't really like cleaning this bathroom. I really don't like uh, pulling these weeds. But you know, the reality is that that kind of attitude is not a servant-hearted kind of attitude. I'm not my own. And so if these things come up, it shouldn't be an opportunity to grumble and complain. But this should be an opportunity to bless the Lord by serving. We have been bought at the high price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we belong to God. He owns us. We are his servants. He has set us free from the power of sin in our lives. And we now belong to him to serve him in righteousness. He has blessed us and he is blessed. When we are more focused on his praise than on our own comfort. We bless God when we come to him as servants. And I would encourage you to look for opportunities both here in this building and outside of this building to serve other people, to serve the Lord. And I know that we can, we have these certain restrictions right now. I know that things are maybe feeling like they're standing in the way right now. But as believers, we ought to be saying, Lord, who can I serve? How can I serve? Lord, help me to be open to opportunities where I can uh, serve you and serve the other people around me. And so we bless the Lord when we come as servants to him. But then secondly, we bless God when we come to him with with an attitude of gratitude that we have grateful hearts. We... Uh, Don't bless the Lord because he somehow needs something from us. God doesn't lack anything. But we bless God in response to all that he has given us. In other words, we bless God in response to the countless blessings that, that, that we receive from him. I want you to take just a moment and think about how God has blessed you. You remember that word blessed has this idea of kneeling down. And really, it's just kind of mind-boggling to think about the almighty God of the universe kneeling down in order to convey something to me, something to you. But, but I want you to think about how God has kneeled down, how God has humbled himself, how God has conveyed his goodness to us and for us. Ultimately, that was done in the person of Jesus Christ, that he came and lived among us. He took our sin upon himself. He died in our place. That is the blessing of all blessings. The Apostle Paul talks about this so beautifully in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And if you're taking notes, you can jot this down and look it up later. But Paul so wonderfully points out these spiritual blessings and and we, that, that we as Christians have received by saying this in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul is blessing the Lord because of all the spiritual blessings that we've received through him, through Christ. And what are some of those specific ways that we have been blessed by the Lord? Well, Paul goes on in verse 4 to say that God chose us in Christ before the world was even created to be holy and blameless before him. Verses 5 and 6, he adopted us as sons and daughters 
that, that we would be used for His purpose and His will to the praise of His glorious grace. Verse 7, He redeemed us through His precious blood and forgave us our, trans, tre, our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Verse 11, he goes on to further explain that this blessing of God has been given to us. And he says, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. Verses 13 and 14 talk about the promised seal of the Holy Spirit that was given as kind of like a down payment guaranteeing that we have heard the word of truth and that we have believed the Savior of the world. I mean... Paul just starts rattling off all of these things and it's kind of like it's bubbling out over in him and he is just overwhelmed by the grace of God and he says, you know what? We are blessed by this and this and this and this and all of this comes from the Father through the Son. It's imparted to us by the Spirit. We are blessed. Therefore, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, when we think about just how blessed we are in Christ. It's hard not to lift up our hands in praise to Him. It's hard not to to say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you think about it, grace and gratitude go together kind of like peanut butter and jelly, kind of like thunder and lightning, kind of like the sound of a voice and its echo. You just can't have one without the other. How do we bless the Lord? Well, we bless the Lord with hearts of gratitude, hearts of service, and hearts of thankfulness. And this is why it's so important for us to remind ourselves often, daily, moment by moment, of the truths of the gospel. That we remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. That we remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. That we remind ourselves of what we have in Christ. We remind ourselves that we are deeply loved by God. We remind ourselves of the great gifts that He has given to us. And as we go through our days remembering and reminding ourselves of these things, we're reminded of the need to practice gratitude, to be a people who bless the Lord. You know, I would say that we need this more now than ever. You get a sense today that everyone's on edge, that everyone's grumpy and angry and just ready to fight. We need this servant-heartedness. We need this gratitude to permeate, to impact every part of our lives. Do you remember what Paul and Silas went through when they were in Philippi? You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. The Apostle Paul and his uh, friend Silas, they're on this missionary journey together and they are uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And God is doing an amazing work through their ministry. Well, they get to Philippi and uh, people are getting saved there. They're being set free from the bondage of sin. And you might think that everyone would be happy about this, but it's not the case. In fact, there's a group of people who are quite upset about this. This group of people make these false accusations against Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are wrongly convicted. They are severely beaten with rods. They are put in these stocks where their hands and their feet are tied together. And they are thrown into the local prison. You think about that. I mean, it's a really bad day. Not fair at all. 
If anyone had reason to grumble or complain, if anyone had a reason to air their grievances on Facebook, well, Paul and Silas had reason. But what did they do? Well, we're told in Acts chapter 16 that in the middle of the night, as they're dealing with this pain from their wounds, as they're dealing with being wrongly treated, these Christian men respond by praising the Lord. They began to recognize how God had blessed them and they turned uh, back towards Him in worship. Do you remember what happened? What happened as they did that? You know, I, I think about the, the church and I think that how we often lose power when we try to control things ourselves, when we try to do things in our own power, in our own strength. Well, these men weren't denying that these things were bad. They, they weren't denying that uh, the circumstances that they were in were difficult. They didn't love their circumstances, but they saw something better. They saw that they were loved by Jesus Christ. They're singing and they're thanking God. And in that moment, God moves. Literally, God shakes the ground that they're sitting on. He gives them a freedom in the midst of their prison circumstance. Their chains fall off. The doors fling open. And you would think that they would get up and start running out the door right away. But they didn't. They, 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 they stayed in their circumstances. And it gave them an opportunity to say to everyone who is watching... To who, everyone who is saying, you know what, what's up with these weirdos who are rejoicing and singing in prison? What well, gave Paul and Silas an opportunity to be witnesses to the people around them, to the other prisoners, and even to the prison guard. And, and get this, many people, many people, including the prison guard and his family, came to faith in Jesus Christ that night. Friends, listen. We want to see the Lord move in His power in the midst of these difficult and uncomfortable times that we live in. If we want to see the church function as a beacon of light, if we want to see lost people saved by coming to faith in Jesus Christ, then we, the church, the followers of Jesus Christ, need to not grumble, but to bless the name of the Lord. Even in these difficult circumstances, we can choose to acknowledge that God has blessed us. Again, just think about the gospel. Think about what God has done for you. What, who you are in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, it's hard not to praise the Lord. We bless God with our servant hearts. And we bless God with our gratitude. And I believe that as we do that, our perspective will change. Even if our circumstances don't. That we will see God work in powerful ways. So there's a call to servant-heartedness. There's a call to gratitude. But then lastly, when we come to verse 3, we see this benediction. It's the blessing of God that the people would be sent out with. Verse 3, we read this. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. The first two verses were a call to bless the Lord. And now in verse 3 it says, May the Lord bless you. You look at these three short verses and you might notice this cycle that's happening here. But we have a visual aid so you can kind of uh, picture this. And we're going to put it up on the screen. But God blesses us. And then we bless God. And then God blesses us again. 
It's a pretty good cycle to be in, right? This is what it's like to be a child of God, that he blesses us, that we bless him, and that he continues to bless us. This phrase, he who made heaven and earth, it reminds us of a couple of things. First, it reminds us that God has the resources to bless us with whatever it is that we need. And Psalm 84 and verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God has something very good for all of those who walk with him. So, first of all, God has the resources. But then secondly, this phrase, he who made heaven and earth, it takes us back to the very beginning where God himself pronounces this blessing on the first humans, Adam and Eve. He who made heaven and earth blesses his creatures. He he blessed the people that he had created. We read this in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 27 and 28. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That blessing that God pronounced over them was so that they would understand that even as they were blessed by God, they were blessed in order to be a blessing to the rest of the world. To have dominion over things doesn't mean to go out and crush them, but rather it means to help them flourish. We, need, we see that most clearly as we see the gospel being played out. That Jesus came as a servant to be a blessing to the world. And as he changed and transforms us, he blesses us. We are then blessed in order to be a blessing to the other people around us. We show the life-giving power of the gospel through Jesus Christ in our lives at work in us to the other people around us. One of the reasons why we close our services with a benediction, it's not so that I can come up here and say something nice to you, no. It's because we need to be reminded as the people of God that we have been blessed by God and now he is sending us out into the world to be a blessing to others. As these worshipers were gathered there in the temple complex, there in Jerusalem, they had this blessing pronounced over them, and they were going to be heading out of the building. They were going to be heading out, in to, out of the city gates, out into the dusty paths that would lead back to their communities, back to their homes. And they had been blessed in order to be a blessing. As we prepare to leave this place today, may God continue to help us carry his blessing to the world around us. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing. Let's pray.